Welcome to the Truth Wars podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We wanted to let you know that Olin's first book, What to Do with Worry, is now available on Audible. You can also purchase physical copies where Christian books are sold. Now, here's Olin. Let's open up to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. And while we turn there, let's pray. Father, I pray you'd hear our prayers right now. Thank you for this food and the fellowship we've been able to enjoy. I pray for the next few minutes together you would focus in our minds. I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray as a church, as a congregation, you'd be growing us. And you'd be feeding us. You'd be giving us the spiritual food and nutrients and nourishment that we need from your word this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I had a friend, a good friend, that we were in college at the same time. I think it was a year and a half ago, maybe, and he called me. Lives in a different state, but he said, "Man, I've really been struggling. Uh, OCD, fear, worry, depression, even doubting my salvation. A lot of different things going on." And we had several conversations. And at one point, I asked him. I said, "Or no, he excuse me. He asked me. He said, do you think this is more of a physical issue, something chemical in my mind, or do you think it's something maybe more emotional, psychological, or is it more spiritual?" Uh, what do you think is going on? I said, well, maybe it's all the above, all four. And so what do you think I should do? I said, well, I, you should probably go see a doctor. Uh, maybe you should go see a Christian counselor, psychologist. But you ought to go to the elders of your church, and you ought to talk to them. And you ought to ask them to pray over you. And I've often given people that advice, mainly because there's a passage in the Bible that we're going to look at this morning that speaks very clearly about it. Uh, but it's interesting that a lot of Christians are, seem to be unfamiliar with this passage, or if they are familiar with it, they're like, yeah, I heard, I've heard of it, but does that really apply to us? Was that something like for a different denomination or for like people a long, long time ago? Uh, or even if they say, yeah, I mean, I guess I believe that's true, and I guess our denomination and church maybe even does that, but no, I've, I've never done that. I mean, I, that's what I get a lot. It's very rare if I talk to somebody that's really struggling with something, and I'll say, well, have you gone to the elders and asked them to pray over you? Nine times out of ten, the answer is no. And I, why is that? There's probably multiple reasons. I think at least uh, one of the reasons is there are extremes on either side of this passage that different denominations fall into that a lot of people rightly want to avoid. Uh, The Catholic Church, a lot of the doctrines that we would disagree with the Catholic Church on, last rites, extreme uh, unction, uh, having to confess your sins to a priest to be forgiven, uh, they would build off of this passage in James 5 we're going to look at today, and people want to avoid that, understandably so. And then you get some of the extreme charismatics that would take passages like these and others to say all personal sickness or suffering is a specific result of your specific sinfulness, and therefore if you have enough faith, then you can always be healed if you have enough faith, which is obviously not biblically true either, and we'll show that as we go through. So I want us to just try to take the passage in context and just apply it very straightforwardly. So the first point would just be, is anyone sick? So just let's look at James chapter 5, starting verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. So James is coming to the end of his little letter here to mostly a bunch of Jewish Christians that were scattered out through the Roman Empire. And he's kind of giving them some final exhortations, commands. He's like, listen, if any kind of hardship in your life, you're having a hard time, pray. Ask God to help you. But everything's going great. Give God the praise. Be cheerful. Sing songs of praise. 
And then verse 14, it's kind of like he double downs. He's going he's gonna to get a little bit more specific. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, uh, it's important. The word there in verse 14 for sick, most of the time it does mean physically sick. If you look it up all the different times it shows up in the Greek New Testament, 18 of those times it tends to mean physical sickness like we would think of. But 14 of the times it means more of like a mental or a spiritual type sickness, maybe depression or being stuck in a sin. We might talk of it today as like an addiction. Okay? And in the epistles, the letters, uh, that's typically what you see. Keep your finger here in James, but just flip over uh, to the left, just one book to Hebrews. I'll just give you one example quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, fairly familiar passage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The word there for weary is the same word. And he's not talking about sickness there. It's talking about being so overwhelmed with life, you just give up. I can't fight anymore. I can't persevere. I can't be holy. So it seems maybe to fit the context a little bit better in James. But it's, it's highly likely that James has both things in mind. And again, I'll show you why I mean that later. Uh, there's a great commentator named Ironside. and He says he thinks that this could refer to like a mental depression. Okay, so the idea is not that you every time you stub your toe or you have a cold and you sneeze, like, i, I got to go see the elders. That's not the point, okay? The idea seems to be more if you're stuck in a certain sin pattern, if you're stuck in a sickness and you've done everything you can and you're not receiving any kind of relief and you're praying personally and you're going to see doctors personally, at that point, at that kind of extreme level, you would go to the elders, ask them to pray for you. Okay, so the first point, anybody sick, you should pray and even ask the elders to pray for you. So... Second point, let's look at this idea of the elders praying. So let's start in verse 14 again. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So... Uh, the elders, they're the spiritual shepherds of the church. And so if there's somebody in the church really suffering, stuck in sickness, stuck in sin, stuck in a depression maybe, they're the ones that ought to go and pray. It doesn't have to be all the elders. It could just be two. It ought to be plural. And it says they anoint with oil. Now, what does that mean? Some commentators would say maybe it was like for medicinal purposes. Okay? It might refer to like the oil of joy and gladness. We want to see you restored to joy and gladness, and oil represented that in ancient times. But most likely it means the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we don't have any power in and of ourselves, but the Holy Spirit has power. And just like we looked at in church, if you were here uh, past couple of weeks with Saul being anointed with oil, and that was a sign of the Holy Spirit was going to come upon him to empower him to do the job that he was called to do. In the same way, there could be, we're going to anoint you with oil and pray that the Holy Spirit would come in power and do something special in your life. If the person has committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Okay, So, a part of this process is supposed to be the elders even talking to the person and saying, might there be any sin in your life that might be leading to this? Now, this is important, and this is another reason that people sometimes ignore this passage because this is where it can get a little weird, and you can start to sound like an extreme charismatic, and you're like, I don't want to be that. Okay? 
John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, is a very famous passage, right, where Jesus and the disciples, they see a man who is blind from birth, and the disciples say, Who sinned? Him or his parents that resulted in his blindness? And does anybody remember Jesus' response? It was neither. Not, it wasn't his sin. It wasn't his parents' sin. But it was so that God's glory could be displayed because Christ was going to heal him. Okay. But listen, uh, there are several passages in the Bible also where we know, even in the time of the apostles, where they're doing great miracles. They were even raising the people from the dead. People weren't healed. Just jot these down if you're really interested in this. We won't take the time to flip there. But in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, The first time I came to you and preached to you is because I had a bodily ailment, and I was so sick I had to stay there. So Paul didn't just heal himself anytime he wanted to. Philippians chapter 2, he talks about Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus was so sick and almost died, and Paul was kind of overwhelmed with grief. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where Paul talks about his thorn in the side. And we don't know for sure what it is, but probably most commentators think it was some type of physical ailment. And he's praying, I want to be healed, I want to be healed, I want to be healed. And God kept saying, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's another time where Paul says, I had a guy traveling with me, he got sick, we had to leave him behind. So the point is, even in the days of the apostles, everybody didn't get healed. So it's a lie to say if you have enough faith, you always get healed. Okay? It's also a lie to say every specific sickness that you struggle from is a direct result of some specific sin that you've done. It's not true. Okay? But sometimes, good old evangelical Protestant Presbyterians like us, we're so against that kind of gross, extreme, charismatic error, and we should be, but we can drive over into another ditch over here trying to avoid it. Because there are often times when the Bible does say that somebody's specific sin or suffering is a result of their specific sin. You aware of this? Okay. Just to quote John Calvin, so y'all make sure I'm being a good Presbyterian up here, okay? Diseases were very often inflicted on account of sins. Okay. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the apostles, they lied to the Holy Spirit, and they were killed for it. That's a very extreme version of sickness when you die. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that I read a portion of every time before we do the Lord's Supper, says that some people were abusing the Lord's Supper. They were coming, they were literally getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Some of them were rich and they were bringing a lot of food, but they weren't sharing any with the poor people. And God says, through Paul, because of this, some of you are sick and some of you have actually fallen asleep, meaning you've died. Okay? So sometimes our sickness can be the result of sin. But listen, this takes nuance because it's not all. So you can't say, I was actually teaching a seminary class Friday morning on a different passage, but talking about something very similar. And I just asked the class, I think there's 17 people in the class. I said, how many of you think that... Our sicknesses are a result of our sin. And 11 people very quickly said, you know, one guy said, no. You know, and I said, how many people want to vote no? And 11 people really quickly. And then one guy's like, no, I want to vote yes. I said, okay, great. And then he's like, I want to change my answer. I said, well, we're just going to go with that for now. <laughs> how many want to vote yes? You know, and so we had about six people. They were all kind of tentative. You know, they didn't want to vote for it too hard. And then the guy said, okay, my changed answer would be sometimes. I was like, who wants to change their answer to Sometimes. And almost the whole class. We had one holdout. I need to follow up on him. Uh, but sometimes is the right answer. Sometimes our sickness is a result of some specific sin we've done. 
And that's why you go see. Listen, this is not supposed to be you in your prayer closet. This was even one of the questions I had at the end of seminary class. And they're like, well, how do you know? How do you know? Biblically speaking, the best way you know, you don't have to get in your prayer closet and figure it out by introspection. You go and talk to the elders. You let them ask you questions. You talk about it. Okay? John MacArthur says, okay, elders encourage him to confess. They help him discern his sin. So, the third point would be, the Lord raises up. Look again at verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save, or you could say heal, but it's a, listen, just like sick can mean physical sickness or spiritual sickness, this word here can mean heal in a physical sense, or it can mean save in a spiritual sense. Heal spiritually. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if, if, that's an important little verse there, maybe even underline it in circles so you don't miss it. If he's committed sins, don't assume he's committed sins, but maybe he has. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So the expectation here is that sin is typically involved, but not always. Now, application. If you're dealing with anything in life, a physical sickness, a spiritual ailment, maybe more of a mental, emotional thing, where, again, it's not just like the common cold. It's not just like, you know what, I watched something on TV last night I shouldn't have watched. I hadn't done anything like that in years, but... It's more of I am stuck in an ongoing pattern and I feel like I'm doing everything I know to do to get out of this physical, mental, emotional, spiritual thing and it's not working. That you should call the elders of the church and ask them to come and pray over you. But then another part that makes this passage hard and confusing and controversial is if you just read this, if, if this listen, let's just imagine we were in a North Korean prison camp. We're a bunch of Christians, but we're baby Christians. And the only part of Scripture that we have, like we don't have the whole Bible in our language, but somebody had smuggled into this North Korean prison camp. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. That's all we had. So every Sunday we got together and we read it and we memorized it. We sang it. That's just all we know. And the question came up. If you're sick, and if you go to the elders, and if you confess your sins, and if the elders pray for you, and if they have faith, and if you have faith, are you going to be healed, yes or no, just based off of this text? Yes. yes. I'm not trying to trick you. I mean, if this is all you knew, that's the way it's written. But you have to, listen, the most basic principle of Bible interpretation is you interpret Scripture in light of other Scripture. So you've got to take it in the whole context of Scripture, the other passages that I've read, and even just what we know from real life. But the best example is this. The Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. He had no sin. He had no sin at all. And yet even going into the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember the words he used? I mean, they're they're pretty striking words. I'm overwhelmed. I'm grieved. I'm sorrowful to the point of death. I mean, that sounds like some type of, you could even call it depression. And he prayed. And if anybody ever had perfect faith... It was the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Father, I don't want to go to the cross. Is there any other way to save these people than the cross? And the Father said no, and he submitted, yet not my will but thine. So guys, living on planet Earth, still under the fall, still under the curse, you're not going to get all your prayers answered in this life. No matter how much faith you have, no matter how much faith the elders that are praying over you have, no matter how much confession you do and repentance. But, but, keep your finger here and just flip over 
Let's look at two last passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. When Christians pray in this life for a physical healing, we might get a yes in this life. We might get a no. But we get a yes in the long run, always. Always, right? I remember when I was younger and I would hear people say, well, you know, he died, he got his perfect healing. I mean, I used to feel like a cop-out. I mean, I I think I had some stupidity and arrogance and zeal. Like, oh, you didn't have enough faith. But it's like, the older you get and the more your body starts aching, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm ready for that perfect healing. Right, Lord, I'll stay down here and serve as long as you want. But whenever it's time for me to get the perfect healing, I'm ready. And that sounds a lot better. Because I might get a limited healing right now, but I'm going to get sick again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Jesus was raised up. And if your faith is in him, that means he's your big brother. And you get to go where he went one day. And then flip over back to James and one book to the right, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll look at one last verse. 1 Peter chapter 2. And then skip down to the end, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus took our eternal death, our eternal punishment, so that we get redemption and life and spiritual healing, but also physical healing. And guys, just like we get to experience a lot of that spiritual healing in this life, it's called sanctification, right? I'm better than I used to be. But we don't get to experience all of it. I'm sure not what I ought to be. But I'll get to experience all of it in heaven. I'll be glorified. It's the very same thing physically. Will I get to experience some physical healing on planet Earth? Yeah, probably. Might some of it come through doctors and Tylenol and maybe even a prayer? Yep. But am I going to experience all the healing in this life? Nope. I've got to wait for heaven until I experience the full thing. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we want to understand your word. We want to understand, Lord Jesus, all the benefits of the redemption that you purchased for us at great cost to yourself. Give us wisdom as a church, as a people, and as families and as individuals how to apply this. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.